Black Tree Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black Tree Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. (laughs) I'm Kayla. (laughs) And I'm Kristen. And this is Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at this show, friend, welcome and hello. Hi, come on in. Enjoy. (laughs) If you guys are joining us on Patreon, not too much on how I look today, okay? Because as you heard, I'm not feeling the best, but we're here and we're ready. I had a lot of fun researching this case. I think it's going to spark a lot of conversation, and I love cases like that. So I'm excited. I'm happy you guys are here. Yes, period. And Kayla, don't forget my Black History segment today because I'm ready. I'm about to say, you know I would. Okay, let's get started. On this show, we've talked many times about how broken the system is, how government corruption is the norm, and how prison systems aren't meant to rehabilitate but to destroy and to break. Well, today we will be discussing the case of a man who was convicted of a crime that happened over 45 years ago and how the system made sure he never had a chance to properly defend himself. Join us as we discuss the exonerated, convicted murderer, Isaiah Andrews. And thank you to listener at Baby Lease. I'm not saying that right. It's okay. For recommending this case. Thank you. This seems like a infuriating case. But maybe it has a little bit of hope on the end with the exoneration. So we're going to see. Yes. And he's an exonerated murderer, but he's also a convicted murderer. So even though he, spoiler alert, is exonerated later, he's still a convicted murderer. And we're going to talk about that pretty early in the case, actually. Okay. So Isaiah Andrews was born on April 20th, 420, 1938, somewhere in Ohio. Kristen, what do you have for us this week in regards to Black history? Period. So, hey, y'all, I've come in the game with Annie Lee Cooper today. For those of you guys who don't know Annie Lee Cooper, she was huge in Selma, Alabama during the 1963 voting amendment, Mm -hmm. um, voting movement, excuse Mm -hmm. me. Annie was known for being upfront, pleasant, and absolutely fearless. Now, she was actually born in Selma, Alabama, moved away a little bit, and then came back. So she was there right when Martha Luther King Jr. was doing his whole voting movement there at that time. Dope. So when she left Selma, she saw Black people voting in other states that she was in. But she noticed how in Selma, Black people still couldn't vote. They had a whole bunch of things going on, and obviously why people were trying to make sure that they could not vote. So when she got back and MLK Jr. came to Selma in 1965 to stage a national voting rights campaign, you know Annie Lou Cooper was right in that line, determined, ready to wait for hours. And Mm. in fact, she did. Mm. Now, some policemen came, obviously, to break up that voting movement Mm -hmm. um, demonstration. And one of those policemen's name was Sheriff Jim Clark. Now, Cooper uttered under her breath, nobody's afraid of them. Because you know they're prancing around, parading themselves with their little batons, thinking they're big and bad. Mm-hmm. Well, Clark then poked her in the neck with his club, and Cooper reared around and punched him straight wherever she punched him, knocking mm-hmm. him to the ground. Well, it was a reflex. He shouldn't have put his hands on her. <laughs> like, where she comes from, you don't put your hands on folks. I don't care if you're police, <laughs> black, white, you don't do that. Mm-mm. So she was then attacked, arrested, and charged with criminal provocation so if that scene sounds familiar it's because you've seen it this scene was actually acted out in one of the color purples i think there's only one color purple yeah one yeah it was acted out in color purple when oprah winfrey her -hmm. character was basically beat up and punched by the police when she went into town that day so that was actually emulated after mrs annie lee cooper Interesting. I do not remember that movie. It's been so long. 
I love that movie. Me and you must never part. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's really dope. Annie Lee, period. So shout out to Annie Lee for having them hands and always staying ready. Yeah, regardless of who it was. Okay, sister, thank you so much for that trip down history lane. All right, so Isaiah, born April 20th, 1938. I didn't find much public information about his upbringing, and it doesn't seem like he talked about it much or even got the chance to, but I do know that he spent some time in the military, and by 1974, he was no longer enlisted. And it, mm-hmm. and it may have something to do with the fact that he was convicted of murdering his staff sergeant. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, yeah. He shot and killed the man after a heated argument and served 15 years in federal prison for the murder. Wow, Isaiah. Mm-hmm. So this was this happened probably like what in the 1960s. So we can probably assume that his staff sergeant was a white man, mm-hmm. and I'm honestly surprised that he didn't get you know life in prison for that. I literally was about to say only 15 years. Yeah, that's surprising. Maybe because he was a vet. Maybe because he was serving our country. Yeah, because he wasn't a vet yet. He was still, you know, serving, but right. maybe they were more lenient. I was really shocked. I was like, damn, straight out the gate, he's killing folk. <laughs> <laughs> so to people looking at Isaiah or have any knowledge of what he'd done, they're probably thinking he is or at least can be a violent man. But in 1974, 36-year-old Isaiah had moved on with his life and had recently married 24-year-old Regina Andrews. Okay. He, That's my type of girl. We like older men. Yes, you do. He was also involved with the Black Muslim movement at the time, and it was something he and Regina definitely disagreed on and argued about. Okay. So what was her stance? I'm not really sure. The most frustrating part about this entire case is that this woman was, spoiler alert, murdered, and... There's almost no information available on her, not even pictures. So to anyone out there, if you are her family member or know somebody that knows somebody, please share it with us because she's literally the victim in all of this. And they like graze over her throughout all of the newspaper clippings and everything that I saw. So it's sad. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) The couple were only married for three weeks when they were staying at the Colonial House Motel until they could find a home to move into. But unfortunately, they would never get the chance. Dang. Mm -hmm. She was only 24, too. Like, that is, that's painful. Right. And they just got freaking married. I know. I know. So we're about to jump right into the tragicness of it all. On September 18th, 1974, at around 3 p.m., a man called Cleveland police saying that he found the body of a woman in some woods near a parking lot in Forest Hills Park. And this was about five miles from where Regina and Isaiah were staying at the Colonial House Mm -hmm. Hotel. This woman was later identified as Regina Andrews. She was wearing a blue nightgown along with a dressing gown and a caftan. So you know how people used to wear a lot of clothes to go to bed back then. <laughs> I guess, but it's given she was looking cute, probably with a bonnet on. Yeah, I think a caftan is. I didn't bother to look it up, but I was like, oh, she just looks cozy, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe she was stepping out real quick just to, I don't know. We'll maybe never really know. Oh boy, we're fussing and arguing at the nighttime. She was getting ready for bed. Kristen, it's possible. We're kind of, we're going to talk about all of the speculation around it. Okay. And all of her clothing was pushed up above her waist, suggesting that she'd been raped or sexually assaulted, too. No. So we already know we hate, despise whoever did this, because they're a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we don't... So did Isaiah do this? Spoiler alert. Well, I told you, he gets exonerated for this. Okay, this is the one he gets exonerated for. Okay. <laughs> Correct. But we... You can speculate, and there's going to be room, too. Okay. Because you know I like to speculate. You do. You do. She was wrapped in hotel linens, including a towel, bedspread, a pillowcase, and a mattress cover. And these linens bore the markings of another nearby hotel called the Howard Johnson Motor Lodge. So that's not the Colonial Mm -hmm. where she was staying. Mm -hmm. Now, I read that the linens were from multiple hotels in the area, um, including the Colonial. So there was one from like the Howard Johnson, another Howard Johnson and the Colonial. So you can see like already 
the details are all all over the place with this case. Yeah, like they don't they have a place or a few places to start, but they mm-hmm. don't know which one is it. Right. There were bloody newspapers found near Regina's body that an officer would later testify had tested positive for Regina's blood. And they were also able to lift a partial palm print from one of those newspapers. Mm-mm. Who was it? Kristen. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you. I'm just kidding. Like, we don't know yet. We don't know. Okay. I want to know who it is. We may never know. Mm-mm. Okay, this is sad. Regina was stabbed 11 times, and at least one of those wounds was to her neck. But we're going to talk more about the autopsy results in a little bit. Regina, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Regina. Isaiah didn't know his wife was missing until around 4 or 5 p.m. after her body had already been found. He asked a motel worker named Betty Worthy if she'd seen her, but Betty said no and suggested that Regina could have possibly got scooped up by police during a sweep at the motel because a lot of prostitutes would stay at that motel or were active in that area okay poor regina she did not belong there i was like did she give that because i feel like there's a look but this is what 1974 wearing i know i know so he called the police isaiah called the police and reported regina missing he then called her family who quickly came to the motel and they filed a separate missing person's report as well regina wouldn't be identified until later that night just after midnight on september 19 mm. so the first thing police really wanted to do was interview isaiah the husband it's always starts with the husband prime suspect mm-hmm. isaiah told them that on september 18th he left the hotel at around 8 a.m to go run some errands and came back at noon for a little bit he said he didn't see regina but the tv was still on He left out again, came back at around 4 or 5, and that's when he realized she was missing. So for a good chunk of time, he wasn't at the hotel. Mm -hmm. Regina had to have been killed between at least the hours of 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. If we're going by what he's saying. Okay. Which is a whole work day, so someone has plenty of time to do it. Plenty of time, yes. Police interviewed a resident of the motel named Linda Cloud, as well as Betty Worthy, and this is where the case really takes a turn. Linda Cloud told police that she never saw the couple fight, but that they did argue. And it wasn't anything crazy, it's just like any other couple. She also said on September 17th, the night before Regina was found in the park, she saw a light-skinned black man visit the couple's room when Isaiah wasn't there. And that Mm. he was there at the hot... there at the hotel until Isaiah returned later that night. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. So homegirl had a visitor, according to this Betty woman. Yeah. I mean, this Linda woman, sorry. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like she let him in voluntarily, so mm-hmm. they possibly she possibly could have known this man. She probably had a little shink to dink. We never Ooh. know. And because we don't have too much information on like what Isaiah's life was looking like then and what Regina's life was looking like, we don't know if she was a working woman. As far as, you know, sex work. So maybe he was gone so she could have a client. I don't know. Or maybe this was just her cousin coming by to visit. Like we A friend. Don't know. Yeah, we don't know. She said Isaiah had left the hotel again at around 2.30 a.m. on September 18th. It's kind of strange. I was thinking, I was like, I wonder what a married man is doing, leaving the house at booty call hours in an area that prostitutes frequent sex workers you know, frequent you know what you i'm saying go next door knock on the door go in and get something done and come out we don't know we don't know betty was interviewed on september 21st and she told detectives that she saw with her own eyes isaiah talking to his wife at 11 a.m on september 18th and remember isaiah claims he didn't come back to the room until noon that day Noon. so there's a mm-hmm. bit of a time discrepancy there she said the couple went inside their room turned on some loud music and then a few minutes later isaiah went to the car opened the trunk and went back into the room Mm -hmm. he came out carrying a big bag over his shoulder that he put in the trunk and he didn't return until 5 p.m and she noted that he looked neat because he was like still wearing the brown suit he left in and it didn't seem like he had been in a scuffle or anything like that girl yeah so yeah, Beth, yeah, yeah. what's her name betty 
Betty. Mm-hmm. Betty was all in their business, period. Betty and Linda, Kristen. I'm like, damn, <laughs> was you really people watching out the damn window? I'm about to say, were you smoking? Were you on the corner, bored? Like, what were you doing? She was looking at her watch every time he left. Like, I don't right. know. I, I thought like she was very man. invested in mm-hmm. their business. Which, honestly, maybe she's seen some things at that motel. So <laughs> maybe she knew to just keep an eye out. Yeah, yeah. Some people are just extra nosy, and some people have good memories. You know, they notice certain things and hang on to it. Something else Betty told investigators that I think they found important is that some of the motels in the area used the same linen service, which led them sometimes to getting the sheets mixed up. So Colonial House could get sheets from Howard Johnson's and vice versa. Ooh, ghetto. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but I think... I think they noted this because even though the sheets that Regina was wrapped in said Howard Johnson, it doesn't necessarily mean that it came from the Howard Johnson bingo hotel. So, mm, you know, they're trying to piece together things. They're trying to see what the possibilities are. And I'm, I'm trying to hang on. And you know what? Her being in her nightgown and things like that kind of makes mm-hmm. sense because 11 a.m., she don't work. She's chilling at the crib. Mm-hmm. And he probably could have done whatever he did while she was still in her night clothes. Yeah, definitely. I think she was, whatever happened to her happened while she was still, in a sense, vulnerable. Like she wasn't planning for to leave or meet up with anyone in that way. Something like that. Which means whoever visited her, mm-hmm. that old girl was talking about, I don't mm-hmm. think she would have just had her nightgown on while a random, well, while a dude was knocking on Mm -hmm. her door, whether it's family or whoever, you know, you make yourself cute, period. That's a good note, especially since it's not her husband. She's not going to be walking around in her, you know, undergarments, even though she has three layers of clothes on. So (laughs) (laughs) her 1960s draws, you know, basically her bloomers. (laughs) So her knickers. (laughs) (laughs) Her knickknack patty wax. Yeah. She wasn't giving dogs no bones. Right. (laughs) We stand Regina. Rest in peace, Regina. Rest in peace, Regina. So after the interview with Betty and her claims that she'd seen, you know, Isaiah leave the hotel with a big bag, the investigators re-interviewed Isaiah that same day and decided to arrest him for Regina's murder. Dang. All based off of one person's, an eyewitness testimony literally one person and i think it was because he said he came back at a certain time and someone else saw him come home before then Mm -hmm. you know and then leaving with the big bag i don't know and then with the loud music playing he could have been murdering her inside they were just speculating i think because they had no physical evidence at this point okay this is very abnormal for not only for them to believe two women witnesses at a <laughs> motel known for being a prostitute house. Go off. But also arresting a man with no evidence other than an eyewitness or two eyewitness statements. This is okay. I feel like it's lazy police work. And they were moving so fast on it, especially with Regina being a black woman. I was shocked. I was like, oh, y'all aren't, you know, wasting any time. Period. And I love the fact that her... Family put out a separate missing persons because, like, we don't really trust what she was doing, Isaiah. So we're going to put a separate missing persons out for our kinfolk, period. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't mad at them for doing that. They did what they felt needed to be done. And I loved it. I love mm-hmm. it. So they arrested him. However, the first indictment was dismissed on, quote, procedural grounds on December 16th, 1974. But he was re-indicted on an aggravated murder charge on January 24th, 1975. And this one stuck. Okay. Now let's talk about the autopsy or autopsies because multiple were conducted. When Regina was still listed as a Jane Doe on September 18th, Dr. Samuel Gerber did a quick assessment of her body and estimated that she died between 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. on the 18th. Mm -hmm. And if we take Betty Worthy's word, you know, as Bible, that would be impossible because she said she saw Regina and Isaiah talking at 11 a.m. Right. On the 18th. So he may be a croc. What do they say? Yeah, croc. He may not really know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. or betty lying or betty's lying you know shit two things can be true honestly that's a fact 
On September 19th, Dr. Elizabeth Balraj performed an autopsy and reported that Regina had been stabbed seven times in the neck, Kristen. Good Lord. And had four wounds to her stomach. In her professional opinion, Dr. Balraj felt that Regina's body didn't show enough rigor to suggest she'd been dead as long as Dr. Gerber suggested. And she moved... Thank you. And she moved the time of death up to between 9 a.m. And, tw- and 12 p.m. noon on the 18th. Woo. Now that one stinks. That one, that one makes more sense or that at least corroborates a witness statement. Correct. Meaning it's possible that Isaiah could have killed her because he did come home at 11. He was seen. And that's in the same window that the music was happening. He put that big bag in his car, drove off, all that. So... It's not looking good. Mm. A rape kit was also completed on Regina, but DNA technology wasn't advanced enough at the time to actually test it. So it was just, there was, you know, there was no use for it at that time. Right. So despite things not looking too good for Isaiah at all, he claimed he was innocent from the very jump and decided to plead not guilty, which meant he was going to trial. Okay, now Isaiah, if Mm -hmm. we think about it, you have already been convicted of murder. <laughs> so, I'm not sure this is a, um, a, the the way you want to go. But if mm. he is not guilty, mm-hmm. then okay. Why? I mean, I have to profess my innocence, would I yeah. not? But if I'm guilty and I've been convicted for murder before, I'm really playing a bad hand right now. I agree. And... Throughout this case, it seemed like he genuinely loved his wife, genuinely didn't think that he should go down for her murder because he didn't do it. So I don't know. I mean, I understand fighting for your life, but I also feel like if he pled guilty to the murder, he still would have probably faced a bunch of years in prison. Facts. At no this problem. point, because this isn't his first, this wouldn't have been his first murder. So maybe he felt like, well, I have no choice. Might as well try to fight it. Mm. Yeah. So at his trial, which started quick as hell, by the way, he was officially indicted in January of 1975, and he was in court by March. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. They wasn't wasting no time. Probably because, like I said, he was a convicted murderer already. So they're like, let's just get this done because he obviously did it because he's done it before. <laughs> the prosecution could provide no physical or forensic evidence connecting Isaiah to Regina's death. They really only had the word of Betty Worthy and Linda Cloud. Girl, this has to be the 1960s because that would not fly today. (laughs) Oh, girl. Unfortunately, it flies more than you think. And I think it just depends on circumstances, right? If you look guilty, if you're even like, let's say you're bragging about possibly killing your wife or doing something like that, but there's no evidence, even with no bodies, people are getting convicted now. You know, you can never find actual proof that this person is dead, but because they've been missing so long, they are deemed dead. And then the person that they've been suspected to have done it goes to trial for it. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, I know. So I feel like Smith and the Murdoch's. Who? Oh, Stephen, Stephen Smith. Smith. Well, they had they had a body, Kristen. Stephen Smith's body was in the middle of the street. That's a fact. What am I talking oh, about? <laughs> Lord. Anyway, so I just feel like it's just a circumstantial thing for sure. The justice system is not, you know, one size fits all. It's very picky choosy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also want to say that there was no evidence of blood present in Isaiah's car or the hotel room. And if she was stabbed as many times as they said, and especially in the neck, there will be blood everywhere at the scene of the murder. I mean, splatter that he probably wouldn't even be able to clean up because he can't even see it. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know if they were thorough enough, but I feel like if she was killed in that hotel room, there would be crazy amounts of blood evidence that he couldn't get rid of. Facts. And remember how Linda said the couple argued, but it wasn't anything too crazy? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, she got her black ass on the stand. Oh, okay. I don't know if she was black. <laughs> but she got her ass up on that stand. And now she claimed that the day before Regina died, she heard Isaiah tell her, quote, bitch, you know I'm going to kill you. Uh-uh. Kristen. So which one is it, girl? Were they just normal arguments or was he threatening her life? She went from day to night. Mm-hmm. And 
when they asked her why she initially withheld this information, she claimed she was mad at an investigator for insinuating that she was a sex worker. And that's why she withheld such important pertinent information. You know what, though? That sounds like some stuff a woman would do. <laughs> like, first of all, you tried me, so I'm not about to tell you everything I know, period. It's because you disrespected me. Because you disrespected me, so... But this isn't it's, about you, ho. This is about a woman that has lost her life. Like, get real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Betty also added details to her story. On the stand, she claimed to remember that Regina was wearing a blue night dress the last time she saw her and that she saw that all of the sheets on the couple's beds was stripped. So no sheets were left on the mattress. So Betty must have been all up in their room. <laughs> Like, was she the next door neighbor at the time? Like, damn, Betty. Betty was a motel worker. So maybe she was in charge of going in there to clean things up. Or, But I feel okay. like she had her nose up in somebody's ass. Because how you even notice all this? And I wonder if she said all of that after they had already presented the evidence. Good or question. Good question. So she claimed she didn't share this information initially because the first time she was interviewed, Regina had only been reported missing. So I'm like, but if it's giving sketchy, if it's giving, oh, you at least know she's missing, she could possibly be dead. Why wouldn't you share this type of information? And it just looks bad for her to give it to the investigators so far later and then say it on the stand. Because I don't even know if she shared it with the prosecutors before this. We know that the prosecution usually goes over testimony and sometimes even practices what's going to be said on the stand with their witnesses. So maybe... They snuck this little detail in, just like the Linda detail, you know, about the bitch, I'm going to kill you. Maybe they Mm -hmm. rehearsed that and just never told the defense. And that's a fact. And that could totally be the case because we know lawyers are shysty on both sides. Oh, yeah. Lawyers are like a fifth of the law out of handcuffs. I mean, in my opinion, especially prosecutors and defense attorneys, they're just all corrupt. Shout out to the good lawyers out there. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And for trying to remain that way because we know it ain't easy. Absolutely. There are some good eggs. The prosecution presented the two coroners that examined Regina's body, as well as a third one named Dr. Lester Adelson. And none of them could explain why there was such a big discrepancy in Regina's time of death. But eventually they agreed that Regina could have been killed between midnight and 2 p.m. on September 18th. Well, hot dog it. That's a lot of time. Kristen, I could fly from here to London from midnight to 2 p.m. (laughs) What type of window is that? I'm like, that's 12 hours, if not more. 14, girl, 14. That's doing a lot, y'all. Okay. This is in the 1960s, 1970s. So we're going to work with what we have. Right, but this is still kind of embarrassing. You can tell by someone's body state, even with rigor mortis. They knew enough about rigor mortis to know that she couldn't have been killed at no midnight if they found her at 3 p.m. and she didn't even seem to be dead long enough for her to be dead before 9 a.m. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I feel like it's just super lazy and there's too many hands in a pot. And egos, I feel like, because the first dude, you were saying 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. So why are you saying mm-hmm. midnight now? You know, and right. the lady was saying 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. So why couldn't you have just said 2 a.m. to 12 p.m.? But no. Okay. And it's really it's really important because they're trying to figure out a window of when she was able when she died. And these are people's lives they're playing with. If he was not at the apartment or at the hotel when she was murdered, it had to be someone else. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just like they're. I feel like they're trying to make it seem like he had ample opportunity to kill her despite all the errors he was running. And with a 14-hour window, anybody has ample opportunity to kill Regina at this point. Absolutely. A truck driver from California could have got to Ohio, killed her, (laughs) and got back. Like, you know, let's be real. I'm cracking up. So the palm print found on the bloody newspaper came back as not matching Isaiah's hand, but that evidence was not presented nor addressed in court. And why not? Kristen, they didn't give a fuck. I'm telling you, they decided Isaiah did it and that was it. That I'm was like, it. Even on the defense's side, like, were the, did they see this evidence? Were they not able to present the freaking evidence? They never knew about it. 
and we're going to get to everything the defense never knew about. And at this point, I was wondering why didn't investigators try to find out, like, who that light-skinned man was that Linda claimed she saw going into Regina's motel that night before she was killed. Yeah, because don't trust the light-skinned man. (laughs) No shade. No shade. (laughs) (laughs) That was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke, (laughs) y'all. Isaiah's defense team didn't have much to work with. They presented alibis for Isaiah, but that's hard when the time of death window is so damn big. And anything could have happened between them. And they also tried to question the credibility of the witnesses, especially since their stories had changed. Mm -hmm. But it didn't matter because the jury found Isaiah guilty of the aggravated murder of his wife, Regina. And on March 12th, 1975, he was sentenced to life in prison. Good Lord. Kayla, for the lack of evidence and he's Mm -hmm. getting a life sentence, like Mm -hmm. usually I'd be like clapping my hands. Yay. But just something does not feel right at all. It's not sitting right. And you don't even know the half of it. So his trial must have lasted two days, Kristen, at this point. Good Lord. Because I'm like, he, the he, fastest trial I've ever seen. Like I said, they made up their minds already. Isaiah appealed his conviction, but both were denied in 1994 and 1996. I don't know why he waited 20 years to appeal or what stopped him from appealing earlier. Good Lord. But they were both denied. I mean, I know military men are hard on themselves. But if you didn't do it, you didn't do it. 20 years to appeal? I mean, the thing is, I feel like he was maybe waiting for DNA technology to improve or just something to come up in his case that could help him. Because at this point, he knows nothing other than what was said in court and his alibi. That's all he can say. He has no new information to, to add. This is hard. I know. It's really, it's really effed up if I do say so myself. It wouldn't be until 2015 when the Ohio Innocence Project at the University of Cincinnati College of Law got a hold of Isaiah's case and were able to submit a request with the Cleveland Police Department for the case files on Regina's murder case. Can the you o- imagine being, being forgotten for that long? Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that's how he felt. And even with his family, I'm sure some of his family thought he was guilty. I'm sure some of Regina's family thought he was guilty. So just sitting with that is torturous. Mm -hmm. The OIP, which is the Ohio Innocence Project, I'm just going to call them that from now on because I ain't mouthful. The OIP received no response from the police department. So they sent a request to the city's Department of Law, but were also ignored. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finally, in 2017, the OIP filed an application for Regina's rape kit to be tested, and the DA's office fought this motion hard. Why? I can't. Why would they not want? Why? And it's because they never want to admit that they're wrong. They don't want to do that. It goes against their little conviction rate. Like, honestly, I feel like there should be a department for all of the cases that where we didn't have enough technology to be able to test the evidence Mm -hmm. y'all should go back and test all that evidence honestly because what if you did make a mistake well obviously they don't care but i'm just saying but i'm i'm asking who's gonna pay for it because getting rape kits tested and stuff is very very expensive that's why there's so many rape kits that haven't been tested and so many rapists that still are out there today because of the lack of funds to test this stuff so it's like the you know biden can send a trillion dollars to Ukraine but can't get the criminals off the street that we're dealing with here. But that's neither here nor there. Girl. Capitalism Mm -hmm. sucks sometimes. It would take another two years until the judge finally ordered the Cuyahaga Mm. County Medical Examiner's Office to test the DNA. Okay. But the Medical Examiner's Office said no. Oh. Mm -hmm. They can do that? I don't I don't think they can, but they did it. Like, why the? F- why would they say no? Anyway, they're That's trash, like too. saying no to a search warrant. Okay, no, I'm just not going to let you do it, even though the government has given you permission to do it. Or um, in an investigation, you're ordered to test some DNA. You're like, nah, I'm just not going to do it. I don't, I don't know the logistics behind why they said no, but I just know that the OIP was forced to use the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation to get the rape kit tested, and... 
it was too degraded to get any results from anyway at that time. So they went through all that for essentially nothing. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's how it seemed. Because the Bureau requested all of the examination notes from the original case, which led the prosecutor's office to send a very extensive case file containing records Isaiah and the OIP had been trying to access since 2015. Okay, here we go. So, in my opinion, when I was looking at this, I was like, isn't it completely unconstitutional? Isn't it illegal to not share the full case documents, the case file, with a defendant's defense? So they have the best chance of fighting their case with all of the evidence that's presented and available. That sounds like too good. Am I asking too much? It's like, oh, let's make sure we give the other side everything they need to beat us. Like, but at the same time, it's like, why wouldn't you? Because it's not about you. It's about the person whose life is at risk here, whose life is hanging in the balance of whether he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail or dead. Yeah, or be able to live because he didn't do it. Oh yeah, and we're gonna look at how much you may have not done it. These files unearth something Isaiah and his defense team from 1975 never knew about, and that's that police arrested another man in connection to Regina's death. No stinky way. And was he light skinned? Kristen, I'm about to put him on the screen. A man named Willie Watts. Oh, my gosh. It's giving his little high yellow. It's giving yellow tone, yellow bone. (laughs) So during the 1974 investigation, police officers visited the Howard's Johnson Motel on Euclid Avenue after seeing that some of the linens had the Howard Johnson emblem on them and asked a worker if they noticed any bed sheets missing from a guest room. The clerk told him that a guest named Willie Watts had taken his sheets from his bed or from his room, not even just ripped them off his bed, took them out of his room on September 17th, which was the day before Regina was found dead. Okay, this is a whole another piece of this doggone pie that the defense had no knowledge of. Are you freaking joking? No jokes here. Willie told the clerk he was from California, but the identification he provided showed an address to a house only a quarter mile from where Regina's body was found. Oh, no. Yeah, so the officers decided to visit the address, and when they arrived, police were already there. Doing what? Apparently, the address was Willie's mother's house, and she claimed that her son had broken into her house and stolen one of her coats and some other stuff, I guess. And he was AWOL from the military at the time and was trying to get some money to get out of town quick. Kayla, what are we doing? This is a whole nother piece. Like, I'm irritated. Mm-hmm. Because usually you would tell this type of information during the, the spread of the case. This mm-hmm. is after the freaking conviction. Yeah, this is in 2015 when this is coming. I'm sorry, no, 2019 when this information is coming out. And the murder happened in 1974. Unbelievable. She also shared that she recently bailed him out of county jail and kicked him out of her house on September 17th. So that's probably why he was staying at the Howard Johnson. Mm. An officer literally wrote in their report, quote, It's our opinion that this crime was committed by Willie H. Watts, who is apparently attempting to sell his mother's coat and her other valuables to get money to get away from the city, end quote. They wrote that in the report. And this report was known to the prosecution, but never known to the defense. Was the judge aware of this type of stuff? No, girl. The judge is only aware of what is presented in court. And if the prosecution doesn't say it or the defense doesn't say it, the judge will never know. Wow, this is sick. It's just so fucking This is that corruption we be talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also just lazy. Like, it's easier to make Isaiah fit the bill because it's the husband, right? Or because he already has a criminal record of showing that he's killed someone. So why not? You can't make one plus two equal three. It just does. You know what I'm saying? But in the justice system, they don't they don't give a fuck. Mm, mm, mm. Police were looking to speak with Willie. And on September 19th, he agreed to meet with them at his mother's house, but never showed up when he was supposed to. They came back to the home at 3.05 a.m. on September 20th and Willie was arrested. 
He denied being involved in Regina's death and provided an alibi for where he was between 10.30 p.m. on the 17th and 10.30 p.m. on the 18th. After speaking with Willie's alibi witnesses who corroborated his claims, they released Willie and never considered him again. <laughs> My God. Mm-hmm. And that's not the worst of the tea they had on Willie. The hotel Willie was staying at was mere feet away from where Regina's body was found. So he could have flung her out his window type stuff. His mother told police that Willie had con contacted a friend named Ronald to help him establish an alibi. And a pill bottle belonging to a Ron Martin was found near Regina's body. You are lying to my face. I would never. Kayla, that is more evidence than they ever had on Isaiah. Way more. Even if it's just circumstantial, way more. How? How, Kristen? That is legit, tangible evidence that corroborates a witness's testimony, which happens to be his own mama. Yeah. And y'all I mean, with Isaiah, that's corny. I don't like it. Girl, it's just, it's fucked up. I know, what's his name? Isaiah may not have been the best guy or just whatever, but he served his time for the murder that he committed in the Marines. Right. Okay? He, ser he served the time. And if it was a white man, maybe they were like 15 years? Wasn't enough. You're going down. Which is like prosecution. You have no right. Well, I guess your point is to prosecute. So you have a right. But if you're hiding freaking evidence, who yeah. somebody needs to be hemmed up by their toes for that. The entire department, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to it. Willie also had a history with violence toward women. He'd been arrested multiple times for assaults on women. He was arrested on multiple kidnapping charges and was even convicted in 1980 of fel felonious assault and arson when he burned down one of his ex-girlfriend's houses. Wow. Which was after Regina's killing. So clearly... Like, yeah, like six years. Mm -hmm. He ain't changed. And he spent 20 years in jail for that. In prison. Wow. Yep. By the time all this information was made available to the OIP in 2019, Willie had been dead for eight years. He died in Ohio in 2011. And I got this picture actually from his obituary. Oh, wow. Wild. So he never faced justice for Regina. this if he did it. Anyway, on October 4th, 2019, Brian Howe, which is Andrew's attorney with the OIP, requested a new trial for Isaiah on the grounds that police and the prosecution had essentially withheld evidence in Isaiah's first trial and the motion was granted on April 30th, 2020. Period. How could you not grant that motion? Mm-hmm. And with the motion being granted, Isaiah was released from prison. And this is what he looked like when he was released from prison. Now, at this time, Kristen, Isaiah is 81 years old. He looks phenomenal. You know, he's giving something. And he at this point, he's been in prison for 44 years. He spent the longest time in prison than any other wrongfully convicted prisoner in Ohio history. Man. I mean, and mm. you know, I can already tell just by looking at him, he has a good heart. And it's like, how does some of the worst stuff happen sometimes to good folks? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if he doesn't have the best heart, it doesn't really matter in this case because if he didn't commit this murder he shouldn't have been in jail for 44 44 years that's just point blank period wow this is insane i mean intense i was gonna say insane and intense and sense this is insane and intense yeah it is if you're on patreon you see how kind of like old and decrepit he looks no shade but by this time, you know, it's not only due to his age, but it's also due to some health issues. And we're kind of going to talk about it in a little bit. The DA's office decided to try Isaiah again in 2021, even stating that there is no way to know if the undisclosed evidence and information could have helped Isaiah's case or not. So basically, he deserves to be tried again. Like, shut up. You have a lot of other cases on your hands at this point that you need to be worried about. Don't be mad because you got caught. And some stuff that you mm -hmm. did. If anything, there should have been a, a lawsuit filed by Isaiah's people towards the DA's office. Oh, it's coming. 
Period. The DA also was like hiding behind, oh, we, you know, we're trying to get justice for Regina's family. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're trying to make sure you're kissing your own ass. You're trying to cover your own ass and you have an agenda against this man. I don't understand why it's so fucking hard, especially since Willie's dead now. They're really like, oh, we're going to get him. And it's just I just don't fucking get it. The prosecution, though, offered Isaiah a plea deal instead of just going back to trial. They said, if you plead guilty, you won't have to go back to jail. But Isaiah told him to kiss his ass. This is classic. We're running up behind ourselves and we still want to prove that we were right. But we'll give you a deal you can't refuse. I'm so glad Mm -hmm. he refused it. Oh, yeah, he definitely refused it. He was like, that's not, I'm not signing on to that. Y'all trying to make me look, because I'm going to play a little clip. Um, It's not very much, but it's from his own mouth. He was like, listen, I don't want this. Like, I don't want to sit here and say that I did something that I didn't do. And he really, I think, just wanted justice for his wife in some way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if she'll ever get it, especially since Willie's dead. But, you know, he has the right to stand up for himself, especially after being in prison for so damn long. Can you try a dead man? No, you cannot. No, you cannot. Unfortunately. And I'm glad. Well, yeah, you can't. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Willie, I mean, sorry, Isaiah's back at trial. On October 27th, 2021, a jury unanimously found Isaiah not guilty after hearing all of the evidence and circumstantial evidence involved in the case, and Isaiah was able to stay a free man. Period. Oh, I knew it. It'd be a little bit of solace at the end, but it was still an infuriating one because it's like Mm -hmm. you have two possible suspects and they literally yeah. just chose the easier option. Oh, yeah. With with no evidence. There was no evidence other than Betty's nosy ass saying she saw him carrying a bag and saw them talking at 11 a.m. And then Linda's messy ass talking about, oh, he told her he was going to kill her the day before. Which you know, Linda? it's just like, where where was that? I don't believe you. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to say I don't wholly believe her. I feel like she could have been influenced, but also I think I believe her story because she was talking about the light-skinned man coming to the door, which was Willie. And maybe that's who she heard say it. Maybe that's who she heard say it, Kristen. OMG. Mm. His defense attorney said, quote, this was the right result today, but I don't know if it if he'll ever get actual justice. He should have never been convicted in the first place, and he certainly never should have been retried. End quote. I agree. And that's on period. I'm inclined to agree. Mm -hmm. His next step was getting justice for himself. In February 2022, he decided to sue the city and the police department for their blatant mishandling of his case and withholding evidence and just a bunch of other shit that they did that just, you know, it botched it botched his chance of adequately defending himself. It literally cost him half of his entire life. His life. Yeah. And Isaiah won. The judge awarded him $56,752 for every year he missed out on while in jail. Period. And and the total came out to be about $2.5 million. Now, $2.5 million, I think, is a a nice start. Shit. You know, he can can live his last few years comfortable Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with no worries. Right. But it is not enough. No. Isaiah was taken care of in his old age in bad health because he did have cancer. Other Ohio exonerees, there are a few of them, and if you're on Patreon, you see them. Uh, Charles Jackson, who was exonerated in November 2018 after spending 27 years in prison for a murder and attempted murder he didn't commit, took on the main role as Isaiah's caregiver. Um, Lamont Clark, who spent 22 years in prison and was exonerated in 2016 for the murder of his wife, and Ruel Saylor, who was exonerated in 2018 after spending 16 years in prison for murder he wasn't even present for. And so. the suckiest part, these are all black men. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy to throw a book at someone that you don't give a fuck about or you're you know the system is already against so it just makes it super easy for shitty prosecutors and lazy defense attorneys to set these men up (laughs) so i was really happy that he had at least some people close to him i could see there was a lot of like press releases and stuff from the oip and they were happy they really seemed to care about him 
And I think he deserved that, you know, because by the time he got out, most of his family was already dead. Wow. Yeah. But unfortunately, Isaiah would not live long enough to enjoy his lawsuit money because on Sunday, April 10th, just 10 days before his birthday, he died from complications due to cancer. Wow. But before he died, though, he was able to go and, you know, see certain things, experience how the world had changed since he'd been locked up. And I'm happy that he got to at least experience those things. Absolutely. Like, what a heck of a life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then I have one little clip that I want to share from him. And here it is. My life is mostly gone. With my health, the only thing I didn't want to do was die. With her having no justice. And it's sad because he's looking, you know, mortality in the face. He knows he doesn't have much time. And the last thing he wants is just justice for himself. He wants everyone to know he didn't do this. Girl. And honestly, the people that really mattered that needed to know that he didn't do this probably already gone. So Yeah, which is even more heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. My God. This is somebody who had to wait almost two generations for the department that literally sullied his name to now yep. clear him of his of this crime that they thought he did. And I hope he's resting well. You know, I would still love to know what was in that big bag. Period. That he was seen carrying away if Betty's a liar or not. Because she could have got him mixed up with somebody else. And she's at everybody's business. I mean, who really knows? You know, the evidence wasn't evidencing. No. And if there is no sign of blood in his car or in the hotel room, what are we What are we doing? What are we talking and if about? He had, and if he had homegirl... Regina in the bag, you know, already knocked out or whatever, and she was still alive, and then he took her to where she was found. I mean, they never talked about if there was a mess at the scene of where she was found, if there was a bunch of blood over there. They just said there was blood on the newspapers that were found near her body and blood on the actual blankets. So I don't know, girl. We may never know who did this. We can only speculate, but... He was found wrongfully convicted and died a free man. Woo chow! Well, that's our case for this week, everyone. Please let us know what you thought about it. You know where to hit us up on Instagram. I be checking Facebook sometimes, but Instagram is the best place. Uh, I check Twitter as well, at Black Chew Crime. I really want to know what you guys thought. And thank you so much for listening. Before we go, be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space. So we don't have to cover your case frame. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTrueCrime.com. See you next time.